Welcome to 7-Minute Torah, an exploration of the weekly Torah portion with me, Rabbi Micah Streifer. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to subscribe or comment or share it with a friend. The Torah portion for this week is called Baha'alotcha, and it describes the people of Israel finally leaving Mount Sinai, where they've been for months. Now, when we were at Sinai, what we were doing was preparing building a tabernacle, a sanctuary, receiving the laws from Moses, receiving the Ten Commandments, essentially getting ready for the journey across the desert and the journey into the Promised Land. But now that we've moved our way out into the wilderness, problems start to crop up. As you read through the book of Numbers, one of the things that you find is that it's filled with complaining. The people grumbling against Moses and against God. Take us back to Egypt. We're tired. We're hungry. We're scared. We don't want to be here. A colleague and mentor of mine, Rabbi Judy Schindler, refers to this book as Sefer HaKvetch, the book of kvetching, because that's what you find when you read the book, the people kvetching and complaining their way across the desert. Of course, all that kvetching is actually a sign of their fear, fear of the unknown, fear of being in the desert, fear of not knowing where you're going or when you'll be okay or if you'll be okay. Now, this week's Torah portion records a strange and kind of unexpected incident of this complaining that involves specifically Miriam and Aaron, the brother and sister of Moses, themselves leaders of the people in their own right. Aaron is the high priest, and Miriam is referred to as Neviah, as a prophetess. The two of them come out complaining or bad-mouthing Moses, and more specifically, Moses' wife. Here's what it says. Vatadaber Miriam v'aharon b'moshe alodot ha'isha hakushit asher lakach. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman he had married. And then they go on from there to complain about Moses' power. They say, has God only spoken through Moses? Has God not also spoken through us? Now, if it was only that second part, that would be one thing. Sounds like sibling rivalry. Sounds like leadership rivalry. People vying against one another for power, scheming against each other. But the first part of their complaint is more surprising. Ki isha kushit lakach. They complain that Moses had married a Cushite or Ethiopian woman. Now, the Hebrew word Cush refers to the country of Ethiopia, which at that time was at least partly under Egyptian hegemony. And so it's not surprising, or at least not implausible, that Moses could have married an Ethiopian woman. But what is surprising is that we already know Moses' wife. Her name is Zipporah, and she's not Ethiopian at all. She's Midianite. So the commentators are confused by this passage, and they have a few different explanations or possibilities here. Some of the commentators claim that this is not a reference to Zipporah, the wife that we know from Moses' story. Rather, it's a hint that Moses had previously been married to an Ethiopian woman. The Midrash says that Moses reigned as a prince in Ethiopia before he came back to Egypt to save the Jews, and so he understandably married one of the local women there. But many of the commentators are not convinced by that explanation. They claim instead that this is a reference to Zipporah. So how could Zipporah the Midianite be referred here to as a 
Cushite or an Ethiopian? Well, one possibility, say some of the commentators, is that there's a clan of Midianites that's called Kushan. And it's a similar enough name that this could easily refer to her. Others say it's not that the Torah is calling Zipporah an Ethiopian, but rather referencing the fact that Midianites were a darker-skinned desert people. So they looked more like Ethiopians, and that's why she's called that here. A third explanation is that the word here is used as a metaphor for something else. In fact, in the Targum, the early Aramaic translation of the Torah, it's not translated as Ethiopian at all. The word is translated as beautiful, as if to say that Miriam and Aaron used the word Ethiopian as a slang word for beautiful, either because Ethiopian people were considered exceedingly beautiful, say some of the commentators, or say others of the commentators because Ethiopian people were considered not beautiful and they used it sarcastically or with disdain. So there you have it, four or five different explanations for one confusing passage, and that doesn't even include the explanation that says that Miriam was defending Moses' wife because he wasn't making adequate time for her, perhaps, again, due to her complexion. So it's hard to pick which of these explanations is the quote-unquote right one. But it's worth noting that what runs through all of them is that no matter what Aaron and Miriam are saying about Moses' wife, they're saying it on the basis, at least in part, of race. Whether they are pointing her out or complaining about her or defending her, their description of her is as Haisha Hakushit, that Ethiopian woman. And it's a reminder to us that defining people on the basis of skin color and ethnic origin is as old as humanity itself. God's response to this whole thing is essentially to punish Miriam with a kind of a skin disease that is indicative in Torah of gossip or misuse of words. It's an admonishment or a message from God to say, I don't want you thinking that way. I don't want you using words in that way or defining people in that way. In 2020, our world is grappling with just that issue. The protests, the Black Lives Matter movement, these are ways that people of color are saying that they've been defined by the color of their skin for far too long. That it's time for society to find ways to see beyond skin color and ethnic origin. To see each human being as an individual worthy of honor and worthy of respect. In Jewish terms, to see each person as created B'Tselem Elohim, created in the image of God. Even if racism is as old as humanity itself, that doesn't mean that humanity can't learn. Now can be the time to reprioritize funding, to provide serious anti-racism training for police, to rethink education. Now can be the time for humanity to take a deep look at itself and say, we will stop defining people on the basis of the color of their skin. It's not easy to change old habits, not at all. But that doesn't mean it can't be done. It requires, in a society, a reassessment of the way you spend your money, the way you govern your people, the way you educate your children. And it requires, in each of us as individuals, mindful awareness of our own biases so that we can hold them up to the light and begin to move past them. Shabbat Shalom. Thanks for listening to 7-Minute Torah. If you enjoyed this program, please leave a review or a comment, and please pass it on to a friend. 
You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week.